Hello everybody, this is Matt, one of the hosts of Yubcast. I want to explain that we went on an unplanned hiatus for a few months due to some personal problems and some technical problems with the podcast. We're going to be back now and we're going to pick up where we left off, but our first show back is going to be a supplemental episode that we recorded right around the time our hiatus started. So we hope you enjoy and thanks for sticking with us. Yum nub, eat up the yum nub. Welcome to supplemental number four of Yubcast, your Star Wars cartoon podcast. My name is Jamie, and I'm already on my way out. And my name is Matt. Who's scruffy looking? And I'm Paul, the the guest here. Now, I, I have two Star Wars quotes. Uh, my favorite, which is, um, these aren't the droids you're looking for. Then the other one is uh, Han Solo being uh, lowered into the carbonite, which was, fuck, that's cold! So that's that was actually in the movie, but um, was cut out. Well, most of you have probably noticed that we have a third party with us today, and this is a supplemental episode where we're going to interview our first guest. So our guest today is Paul Chatto, um, and he was a voice actor on one of these shows. So Paul, why don't you give a brief introduction to what you did? Well, it was actually a lot of fun uh, doing the voice of Paplu for the Ewoks cartoon series, which only lasted one. Uh, one run but that was that was a great deal of fun so today we're going to talk with him about his experience there and since this is a supplement we're not going to review a, a cartoon today and talk about all sorts of ewok religion and culture and easter eggs hidden in a cartoon there were there were easter eggs in them there were Wow. I'm, well, I'm not surprised. I mean, the the people who were doing the animation were out of their frickin' minds. They hated the Ewoks. They made all sorts of supplemental drawings of them being eviscerated, like unbelievably detailed uh, disassembling of Ewoks in almost um, medical style illustrations where bones were being pulled, their, their skin was being pulled apart and you could see the muscle structure and, and everything else. So just they occupied themselves with these unbelievably gruesome Ewoks being, um, what is it when you, uh, um, you know, you, when you, you put them into in an auto option, yeah, auto vivisection. Yeah. Viv- they were vivisected. Like they, they gave me a book of about a hundred vivisected Ewoks and I didn't keep it. Oh, is that Nelvana? The, uh, yeah, the correct. See, there's a piece of news uh, you probably never heard. No, I, I did, I had no idea about that. That's, that's a great, a great start to this whole thing. It's downhill from here, guys. All right. Um, well, thank you for agreeing to be on the show. Oh no, ple- yeah. my pleasure. So, ask away. I'm, I'm, I'm happy to talk. I just remembered that. Actual. I mean, I was at the closing party, and the, the, the animators came up to me, and they were just so thrilled to give me this beautifully bound book of vivisected. Ewoks. <laughs> oh, this is. Oh, oh my God. Oh dear Lord. Oh, I, I couldn't even eat my duck terrine. It was. It was, it was really. And the the thing is, what's funny is that they thought it was hilarious. Now, one of the things that you learn when you do, I'm I'm already started. I'm sorry, but one of the things that you learn when you do animations is that the people who are actually doing the anime animations, the cartoons, think they're hilarious, but they're not. They they don't have any sense of humor. They're just crazy. Well, that's a that's a very interesting insight. So the comedy yes. is coming from the actor or the writers, and not the correct. Okay, correct. Yeah. Well, I think everybody thinks they're funny. I. I get that from my wife all the time. <laughs> and and the answer is no. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah, but it's worth it for that one out of 100 time where she actually laughs. <laughs> yeah, but that's every 12 years. <laughs> Obviously, what we were primarily interested in is your time working with Nelvana on the Ewoks cartoon. But when you agreed to do this interview, I did some research on you and found out that you were a member of the Frantics. Uh, so I thought we could spend a few minutes talking about that, if that's okay. Uh, uh, yes, yes, of course. So I'm going to be honest, and up until a few weeks ago, I've never seen an episode of Four on the Floor. But my wife and I watched a few episodes preparing for this interview and realized through that and was confirmed by your screen name that you wrote the song Boot to the Head. Uh, well, the Frantics did. The Frantics wrote the song Boot to the Head. Correct, correct. And I'm a big Dr. Demento fan when I was a kid. Ah, yes, we are too. And um, once I saw that... I immediately realized that I was accidentally interviewing someone that brought me a lot of comedy joy as a child. Ah, I'm I'm very very happy. You must have had a sheltered childhood. I did. I, I 
grew up in the Midwest, so. Yeah, but I think those are the best childhoods, to tell you the truth. I mean, you know, who wants to be the head of the football team and get all the chicks and get laid regularly? It's just like, yes. oh, who needs that? Yeah, losers. Losers. <laughs> yeah, what are they now? They're like, they're in the Trump administration. I mean, <laughs> they're definitely not producing a Star Wars podcast. No, <laughs> absolutely not. No, they're retired in Hawaii with a real big pension. That's it. So I just wanted to let our audience know about the show Four, Four on the Floor, which I believe it only had 13 episodes. Is that correct? Correct. But it was rerun many, many times. And uh, Dr. Demento was a huge fan of ours. And he, uh, we, uh, one of our sketches, Taekwon Leap, which was uh, also called Boot to the Head, was the top uh, comedy bit for two years running. So. Yeah, so I wanted to sort of describe it. And I hope my dis- description is fine. Yeah, go ahead. It's sort of a Monty Python-like variety show with comedy skits. It's a yes. pre- Precursor to sort of Kids in the Hall, Red Green sort of comedy. Correct. Um, so I think Kids in the Hall is a much more significant touchstone for me, especially as far as Canadian comedy is concerned. But your show predates that by a lot. Yes. Uh, you have to understand the history of the CBC and how little comedy was coming out of it. And then we got on the air and we kind of opened things up for uh, the Kids in the Hall. Uh, a wonderful and talented uh, group of people. Uh, it, you know, we only had one season. I think they had five, and and that's what really solidified their their spot in the comedy firmament. Whereas the Frantics are just a footnote on some tiny piece of Canadiana. And I'm just gonna, you know, go to my grave knowing that. <laughs> <laughs> It, it, I was glad to actually uh, find it because it, it it's led me into a lot of other comedy stuff that I've never would have really known about. Kind of like the YouTube black hole, I guess. When, when Matt uh, told me about it, just finding out about a lot of um, other like uh, comedy skit shows. You're not, you're not talking about world. Moms Mabley. You're talking about black holes, Moms Mabley. Moms, uh, never mind. That was terrible. I love Moms Mabley. Actually, she was one of the funniest people on the Merv Griffin show. She just killed me. And then I later on found out that she was a really foul-mouthed comedian along the lines of Red Fox. That's interesting. I didn't yeah, know that. So, <laughs> oh, she was fantastic. I, 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 Mom's Mabley. I'm glad no teeth. Well, I'm just telling you that this was. I mean, that's my Daffy Duck Mom's Mabley. I'm sorry, I can't <laughs> even remember. But she was fantastic. She's she is someone that needs to be studied. Um, a pioneer in stand-up comedy. One of my favorites. Uh, I wonder, let her. Listeners know that all of the episodes of Four on the Floor are available on YouTube, and I hope you're getting revenue from those clicks. No, no, we don't know. <laughs> we don't own any of the shows. We're not allowed to put them up. Yeah, we would have been nice to be able to uh, take control of those uh, shows and be able to do stuff with it, but no, could never buy it from the producers. And so it's okay. It's again another footnote in a very unhappy career. I, I don't want to get. I don't want it to get dark. You're bringing us down. <laughs> I think it's, it's always tough being the first, right? And CBC is like the BBC, right? It's, sure. It's public airwaves, right? And so Correct. you're you're probably basically beholden to a government censor or government standards for content at that point. Yeah. And, and you know, at the time, they actually thought we were pretty vile. Um, curiously enough, compared to the kids in the hall, they, well, they, they thought that we were just over the top disgusting. Really? And Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the person who canceled us, I met him later on. Once I became head of TV comedy at CBC, I actually met the guy. We became good friends. But and he said that uh, uh, when his kids found out that he had canceled the Frantics four on the floor, he said uh, they wouldn't talk to him. They were furious. They loved the show. Well, I was watching an episode with my wife about an hour ago after we put the kids to bed. And it was the one with the uh, combination sport Olympics. Ah, Yes. And she was laughing really hard at the um, ice tennis. <laughs> yes. I, I like uh, the cross-country wrestling. Yes. I thought that was funny. The baseball uh, javelin was, was – yeah. I like that a lot. Uh, bullfing. Yes, uh, bullfing. <laughs> considering the PGA just finished off bullfing, I, I thought that was uh, – uh, Jim here and over back to Jim. Thanks, Jim. <laughs> We're at the bullfing. And then we've got the bicycle boxing. 
<laughs> you know, we had, listen, all kidding aside, I, I like making fun of, uh, you know, just what happened to my sad career, but, um, I just had a fantastic time and, and we still, I mean, the guys, we, st- we still talk and have a very, very good time. It was, it was just a super, super time in my life. And it was, uh, great to be able to contribute to the comedy landscape the way that we did. And Mr. Canoe had, of course, became very, very, you know, well known. And Yeah, I was, I was curious if, cause when I, when I saw the Mr. Canoe had sketch um i i saw the i didn't watch all the episodes but i saw the one where he goes into the hair salon <laughs> yes and uh, battles the uh that uh, villainous french uh, yeah. <laughs> where he gets the uh, hair dryer uh, you know stuck to his head yeah did that character take off which on mr canoe head yeah mr canoe head oh yeah yeah he was uh, we even have beer up here mr canoe head beer wow oh you're talking max language now <laughs> yep, it's a nice uh, dark red ale. Do you know who, do you know who makes that beer? Yes, uh, Sleeping Giant Brewery in uh, Thunder Bay. Excellent. Well, we're not going to turn this into my beer podcast right now. We're going <laughs> to keep this about keep this about Canadian comedy for tonight. Yeah, yeah. Well, so we had a we had a fantastic time, and and our forays into the United States were utter failures. Uh, that that was tough. That was very very hard on us. Uh, we were on Showtime, uh, and we. <laughs> came down and we did the bob euchre show <laughs> uh, i mean oh my god i mean you, you do what you got to do right to to promote the stuff and they didn't know us from adam and we even did a live presentation a live version of our show at the um not the improv but the comedy store or whatever yeah and uh i mean the and the celebrities that were arranged by showtime was howie mandel and the, the guy who was uh, the father in eight is enough um, Dick Van Patten, Dick Van Patten, and Stephen First. So those that those were the the top line uh, stars that they were able to line up to come and see the show. And we did a really shitty job. <laughs> it was a terrible ah. show. And then we went to the Beverly Hills Hotel, the one next to Rodeo Drive, whatever that one's called. And we were playing uh, with the four tops as part of some Showtime showcase and. And we were not getting enough time from the tech people to do our sketch QDQs. And uh, we said, we interrupted and we said, look, this thing's going to be on in a few minutes. We need to get the QDQs. He says, look, I got your script. This isn't Canada. You're now in Hollywood. This is a professional town. Okay, kids. And so, okay, fine. <laughs> so literally through our entire 10-minute act, the lights were off while we were on stage and the lights went on uh, in between our bits completely reversed so we did our sketches in the dark and then we came off stage and the four tops was uh, it was some sorry i can't remember the band i think it was the four tops and they came on stage and the guys were going holy shit man you guys got fucked <laughs> <laughs> do you guys think they did it specifically because you you guys I don't want to say hassled them, but you know, we showed a no, little. Worry. No, 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 no. I, th- I think it was utter incompetence. In uh, California, I could believe it. <laughs> <laughs> so that was our, you know, that was our foray into uh, the United States, and then we just ran back to Canada, and where everybody knows us and loves us, and we don't have to work so hard to gain adulation, and we just went on the road. So there you go. We had a fun time. It was actually, you know, the Frantics was a great ten-year run. I'm sorry that it was so rough but i'm glad that it added that value to your life and and you can look back fondly on it now at least some of it no there's i have nothing bad to say uh very few people have an opportunity like that um and there's a lot of learning too i mean one of the things that you learn is that it's very hard to make lightning strike twice and if you have an opportunity um you need to make the most of it and and when you're young you think oh i've had one success i think i can have another and that's you know that's not the case i have often told people that humility has been forced upon me um i would much rather be a rich asshole so i can just throw my weight (laughs) around instead i'm talking to people like you because i'm nice and i never intended to be a nice person well not not the tutor on horn but dozens of people will hear this interview (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> well, you've you've got the right spirit. What can I? Do? It's a pleasure. It's an absolute pleasure uh, talking to you guys. This is fun. All right. So, as we've discussed previously, this is a Star Wars podcast, primarily a Star Wars cartoon podcast. But Jamie and I are both in our late thirties, early forties, and grew up in the sort of the Star Wars generation, quote unquote. And so I thought maybe we could talk to you about your Star Wars fandom briefly back in the 80s to now. You revealed in an email some of your feelings about the modern movies, but what was your thoughts on Star Wars when it first came out? Well, I mean, I was a science fiction uh, reader, avid reader, Stanislaw Lim, Isaac Asimov, Heinlein. Um, you know, I remember distinctly, though not the movie, the, not the movie I was watching, but I remember the first time I saw the trailer for Star Wars and it was the triangular shaped battleship, whatever it's called. Um, the Star and, Destroyer. The Star Destroyer. And then they showed clips of the TIE fighters fighting and blah, blah, blah. And I left the theater going, holy crap, I'm, I'm lining up now. Like for me, I had never seen anything like that. I had, I had seen 2001, a space odyssey, maybe 15 times, uh, at the, uh, at the Glendale cinema in Toronto. It was in full 70 millimeter. It was one of the last remaining 70 millimeter theaters in North America. And so when the star Wars trailer hit, I went, holy shit, I'm, I'm there. So, uh, I remember I was at the very first showing opening day. I was probably the 10th person in line. And it was absolutely magical, indescribable to the point where I feel sorry for people who, um, to this to present day individuals who see 3D and, and special effects movies and will never have that surprise and that naivety and the, I can't tell you, it's, it's, it's the, the magic of that movie was, um, was, uh, staggering for me. Wow. Yeah, I, I, I hear what you're saying. I, I'm so used to things now that Star Wars kind of really kind of paved the way for everything. Yeah. And, you know, I show stuff to my kids that, that you know, blew me as a, way, as a kid. And they're just kind of like, eh. I, yeah. That's a drag, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We watched Raiders of the Lost Ark the other day. And I said, OK, don't watch this part. And he watched the very end with the face melting and he's just like what <laughs> and i'm just like i'm i'm giving my wife nervous glances like uh are we doing this i don't know i don't know and he didn't you didn't mean i mean you didn't mind the head being chopped off by the blade uh, by the propeller that was fine yeah. but, the, but the melting head was bad yeah I think in defense of Jamie's parenting, I'm pretty sure the head getting caught, cut off is mostly off screen. Mm-hmm. I just, yeah, that was just raspberry jam that got sprayed on Indiana Jones. But that was a pretty nervous moment. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm, uh, you know, it is too bad that there's no more naivety out there with the, you know, where everyone's just way too sophisticated. But you know, again, I, 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 t- I try not to take things, anything for granted. I think part of the problems in our, in the, what we're dealing with now is that we're high hiding technology and we're hiding advancement. I mean, one of the things I did with my kids was I showed them how a t- turntable works. I have a th- Thorns turntable and I, I tried to, you know, show them the direct correlation of a, a physical object, in this case, a needle hitting the vinyl and then sound coming out. And that was like, they go, what, where'd the audio come from? And I go, look, bink. And then I would, you know, roll up a cone, a paper cone, and stick a sewing needle through it. And I'd say, well, what, what do you think is going to happen if I put the sewing needle um, on this record? And the kids went, what? I'm going to beat your fucking heads in because this is my Jethro Tull. Do not ever put this fucking <laughs> sewing needle on this record. Here, let me get this stupid, uh, you know, some kind of, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, let, let's let's grab some uh, classical music now. Now I'll show you. So I put it on and you could hear the you know, audio. I said, okay, so kids, before I had to have a, a physical amplifier to get the audio off this record, but I can just use a paper cone and a needle and and you can get and so you know now you pull out your iPhone or an iPod or something like that and and the magic is hidden and there's there's nothing there's there's no steps to see how it results into into audio and that's terrible for for me i mean it's magical but it's all you know it's so hidden that no one cares to learn to find out just how it all works whereas a record player kind of 
asks you to go, wow, look at, hey, oh, needle hits plastic, sound comes out. Oh, it, it, it begs you to learn more about how it works because you can see it mechanically. And uh, even with movies, I mean, so many movies have 3D in them and you don't even, can't even recognize it now. It's like just, you know, green screen stuff everywhere. So, but the stuff for, for Star Wars and certainly the second one was just absolutely, it was great to be there. It was great to be first in line. It was great to see it unadulterated. Most of the people here will never get that experience. <laughs> <laughs> so since you're part of that first wave of hyper-enthusiastic fans, maybe it would just be faster to ask you when did Star Wars break your heart? Oh, probably uh, The Force Awakens. That really crushed me. I went, wow. I didn't even mind the first three prequels. I, I didn't enjoy um, the young Anakin. I thought, wow, that kid can't act worth shit. And then the mother <laughs> looking at an iPad as, she as the race was going on. I went, okay. <laughs> Please, yeah. please, please cut back to the excitement shown on her face as she's looking at an iPad, you know, rendering of the broadcast of the of the race. The race itself was pretty good, but there were just elements. I went, wow, OK, this is what happens when Lucas gets doesn't have to edit any of his shit. He gets yeah. to just do anything. Yeah. Um, but, you know, looking back, I'm going, OK, those movies are actually rewatchable. And now uh, The Force Awakens, I tried to watch it a second time and I I went barfy do this is terrible so yeah i've had a very difficult time getting back into it since since that movie i just want to ask because i had a similar uh thing like matt and i like ever since we found out they're gonna be making movies we pretty much you know neglected our normal uh duties <laughs> at our respective jobs and talked star wars you know for i'll say maybe two and a half three years and walking out of that movie i was just like fuck <laughs> A lot yeah, of people man. love a lot of people love that movie, uh, but I, I guess you know it was made for people who had never seen Star Wars. I could pretty much you know like in my mind I was just doing a tally of everything that was copied, and I've kind of since come around. I I took the boy the next day with having no expectations whatsoever, and I I enjoyed it a lot more. But <clears throat> I think half the movie I kept on waiting for Mark Hamill to appear <laughs> in the next scene, and then that never happened. And then all of a sudden the lights came on. Well, yeah, he, he appeared at the very end, kind yeah. of, stuff, right? But I, all I was thinking, going, okay, guys, memo to evil people: Death Star doesn't work. Please <laughs> take this memo, okay? Three times, guys. Uh, did this go through management? Did anyone else ask anybody? You're gonna try the Death Star yet again, okay? Clever. I mean, whose who's, who's fucking idea was to do a third Death Star? Like, the first two didn't work. Guys, we need to save money. This is expensive shit, and they keep blowing it up. I like your description of the movie being um, Star Wars meant for people who have never seen Star Wars. Yeah. Um, I think that that's one of the better descriptions I've heard from like a critical point of view from someone who didn't enjoy it. Because I can absolutely see why that would be the case. I am I describe myself as sort of a Star Wars apologist, usually. I'm looking for reason, excuses to like things rather than not like things. Sure. Um, so, I mean, Jesus Christ, I make, I make a podcast about 35-year-old cartoons. Yeah. <laughs> So obscure, obscure. Yeah. I say, you know, the mental gymnastics, you know, kind of see a lot of people do this online, you know, like, you know, it could, it could just be Luke Skywalker kicking puppies, you know, and Matt and I would be like, well, you know, those puppies probably, you know, dark side or something. It makes all this, it makes tons of sense. If you really think about it. That, I mean, I didn't so much mind him being kept in abeyance because we had a great time with Han and Leia. Okay. Yeah. I mean, but the movie after it, the uh, Last Jedi, uh, Last Jedi, I, I'm, I'm thinking, okay, I'm in this meeting. We've got one remaining charismatic component left of the original series. And so what are we going to do? Are we going to let him have a big galactic size monster fight to beat all fights with Jedi lightning shit, like just exploding planets? Or are we just going to shove him in a box and kick him off the end of a cliff? I think we'll do the second one. Like, <laughs> like I... I, I I'm, you know, I mean, if the bottom line is to make money off these things, like how fucking difficult is it to just let Luke have the biggest 
fucking fight of the, I mean, of his lifetime. Here, ka-ching. That's one thing Jamie and I discussed before the movie came out. He said, like, well, what is one thing we want to see? And we're like, we want to see, like, an overpowered Luke. We want to see him do something you've never seen before. Yes. And he's at the top of his game. He's he's got good shoes, insoles. I mean, he's comfortable. (laughs) And we're going to see, you know, something badass on a galactic level. So what did you think of like the Rogue One? Did you see the standalone? I didn't see Rogue One. I didn't I hadn't seen that. My daughter liked it. I hadn't hadn't seen it. I started going, oh no, I, I'm afraid now. I recommend I it. It's uh it's wormed its way to probably be my favorite. That's probably considered sacrilege, but watching it over and over again, there's so so many little gifts to Star Wars fans that they just kind of put in there. And the, it has that very kind of Star Warsy feel, and it just it just you know it ends right where it begin um, Star Wars begins, and you could just watch them back to back. It, but then you know that's I oh, I, and, I, I, I highly I, recommend it. Uh, okay, I'll, I'll 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 watch it. My daughter liked it, but I I don't I can't I don't think I can see anything new anymore. I didn't go see Solo. I just don't don't get it. I I I, I postulated like any nerd out there my own scenario for the Force Awakens, and I was shocked that they didn't they didn't do any of it like it just seemed to be such an obvious but then again they did they were remaking a new hope for a new audience and i understand why they wouldn't have done what i wanted to i i wanted them to actually because uh, the the rebels had won and you know they should be in the nice palacey places on you know on the planets maybe you know getting a little too comfortable while you know the the baddies were retrenching and turning into isis that's what i kind of thought that they were the ones who'd be in the in the tunnels and having a shitty life and that would just you know get um kylo even madder not having you you know, being able to break out of, uh, you know, the shitty situation that he's he's in. So I, I thought that would have been way more fun. One of the things that Star Wars is really good at is all the supplemental stuff, you know, the books right. and stuff. And and Matt and I are pretty big fiends about that. And I, I have actually, heard that that plot was actually in one of the supplemental books, what I just described. Someone told me, said, no, no, that's actually in one of the supplemental books. Is the bad guys that, become ISIS. Yeah, that, um, that basically... They explain how they pretty much screwed it. Uh, the, uh, the 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 New Republic pretty much screwed it up. And you, the the author uh, Claudia was it Claudia Gray? Man? Yeah, it was Claudia Gray. She pretty much hit the nail on the head. You know, kind of like uh, politics. You know, you know, mirroring modern politics. Just how they pretty much take a good thing and just totally oh, yeah. screw it up. Oh yeah, but that's that's the nature of all good stories. Is uh, it starts off okay and then humanity turns it into shit. So I mean, that's, <laughs> uh, that's good. So let's talk Ewoks. Yes. So <laughs> yes. So thank you for the explanation about the or the Star Wars movies, and uh, I want we do want to talk about your time on Ewoks, though. Do you want to talk about why why you went on the audition or anything about the audition for the show? Um, did you specifically pick Paplu to audition for, or was it more like an open call thing? It was an open call. Um, I have I was a voice actor, and I had done many cartoons, so they knew me, and they knew that. Um, I had a range of of uh, voices. I was the peanut butter flavor for uh, M and M's. They love me. They really do. So that was. I got. I actually. I got that <laughs> role because um, uh, they showed me the the cartoon, and I was wi- I was going to win this Academy Award of chocolate, and and then I just remembered the line from Sally Fields. And, and, and so I just made that up. I mean, I just threw that in there. It wasn't in the script. And so I, you know, I win the Oscar for best new chocolate treat. And I just blurted out, they love me. They really do. And then the producers were howling with laughter. So I got the role. And uh, now the, the Lucas thing I think I had mentioned is that uh, when I auditioned, I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to have some fun with this. And, and I stayed in character pretending that the tape had stopped. And uh, so I, you know, I did my, my paplu. I was mostly, whoa, 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 oh, let's play drop the sack. And so, um, <laughs> 
and uh, I was the fat sidekick, and and then I said, "Okay, is is the audition over?" Because like, you know what? I hear that Lucas is a fucking asshole, and I just don't want to fucking work with him. I mean, you know, I'm doing this in my spare time, but you know, the guy, I, I don't, I don't, you know, something. I can't remember what I, but it was like just one expletive about Lucas after another, and I, I heard that he was responsible for not, what's it accepting each of the voices for because you know he likes to control things and he heard me doing this kind of extended uh you know thing in character about what a you know horrible person he, he's going to be to work with or something and then he, he apparently he was howling with laughter and i got the job that's that's pretty amazing that seems like an old like movie cliche you know oh kid i see some of me and you and then they give whoever the job that actually worked uh worked out in real life that is awesome well i mean you know i i was doing a lot of work at the time and one of the things that you learn is to be fearless anytime you look like you're desperate for work you generally don't get it and i had learned that uh, the writers don't have all the always all the answers so sometimes it's fun to you know throw some some of your own, own ideas in there so i just had i just was fun it was the first time ever i think a there was a i was a cartoon outtake i was i was many many years ahead of uh, pixar and um the Toy Story outtakes. That's a good segue into sort of how the structure of the program worked. Did you have any freedom with the script or the character at all? No, and and but you don't want that in a cartoon, actually, to tell you the truth. Once you're actually doing it, the thing you learn when you're doing a cartoon voice is that when you're doing your lines, you are thinking about only one thing, and that is forcing the hand of the artist to draw you doing things in the way you envision. So I would literally think that I'm going to be raising my right hand. I'm going to voice it in a way that's going to communicate to the person who's doing the pencil that it's my right hand that's being raised. They will just know it. Like that's an exaggeration, obviously, but that's the most fun you can have is when you see the cartoon back and you know they're shaking because the voice is shaking and that gives the artist ideas on how to execute that you just don't do the voice and you just walk around you just you know you you know you, you throw you give the artist ideas and that's the most fun doing cartoon voices. You'd mentioned before about the Nelvana artists not thinking too highly of the show. They uh, No, no, no. I, I they don't think highly of anything. They <laughs> these are these are beaten people. I mean, they it's very difficult being a, a cartoon um uh, artist because you're you're just cranking out these uh, cells, these cartoon cells that just an ins- they they burn through very talented people. It's the nature of the hmm. game. Okay. Well, what I was wondering about is because except for the Care Bears, they hated doing the Care Bears. That <laughs> yes, they they that was death. That was a death sentence for any animator was being put on Care Bears. I was curious how you or maybe like any of the other uh, cast dealt with the Ewok language because they seem to constantly shove in these made up Ewok words where sure. normal words would do. And that even like I as a, you know, as a viewer, I just kind of roll my eyes. And um, I was just wondering how you guys felt on that. No, it's like it's a cartoon, and uh, and you commit to it. It's your job to act act it out, and uh, it's a uh, it's an honor to work on a Lucas production. And it was fairly well done. My character didn't have to do an awful lot of those. I spent most of my time falling from trees. <laughs> so, can I ask a production sort of question? Reveals my ignorance about how a cartoon is made. Ink. It's colored, and it's uh, <laughs> there, is- there's the secret. I'm done. This, this is helping me um <laughs> so do you do you record your parts individually or is it like a group table read sort of situation or how, do, how does that sort of work In, individually mostly individually and then they, and they yeah and then they just keep asking you to redo it redo it redo it until it's the way that they want and then they edit all the audio together and then they animate it to so, the audio. so you're not watching the clips of the show at that point they're waiting for the recording before they do the animation correct we we do see the animated frames i mean in the sense the 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 storyboard drawings we see okay. that okay and they have a person with a stopwatch 
and your line has got to fit a, a specific space. And they'll tell you to speed it up or slow it down or whatever, because they have every single line and section timed out, pre-timed, so they know that they're going to hit 24 minutes and 30 seconds for the network network show. So they already know that ahead of time. Okay, well, that's very that's very helpful to me. I did not know how that process worked. Back to sort of working with Nelvana slash Lucasfilm. Um, did you have any inter- interactions with Lucasfilm, or was it everything filtered no. through Nelvana? Yeah, everything was uh, Nelvana. What did you like about the character? Were there any opportunities to kind of expand on the character at all? Well, I'm in real life a physical comedian. So this was a physical character. And so as I had mentioned, how do you translate your physicality into the animated character? And you do that through voice and and you get animated while you're at the microphone, you, so you have to play the microphone correctly. You have to know how to use it. Uh, coming back, coming from radio, because the, the Frantics did 120 half-hour radio shows for CBC. So one of the things that they liked about us was that we knew how to use the microphone. Um, and for instance, if you had to do something loud, then you just walked away from the microphone, and then you did something loud, right? <laughs> and a lot of people don't know that, don't have that training. We did. So again, I mean, I tried to project how I wanted Papalu body to react when it was falling out of the tree and its head was hitting a branch and then then another branch and then you would land on the ground and and kind of sound woozy Uh, I don't know um, I, I think that it helped. It really helped for me to be a physical comedian because uh, I imbued Paplu with you know, the same kind of physicality that I, I, I would do, you know, I, I would do for myself. You're doing the physical motions while you're reading the lines to sort of embody that and communicate that through the recording. Yes, yes. Uh, you couldn't. I couldn't help it. I mean, I would be jumping up and down and getting into it. I'm, I'm very much a visual learner sort of person and, and I love watching these cartoons and so now I'm imagining you in like a booth like raising your finger and pointing to the sky and and like sure. pretending like you're falling over and, and things yep. like that. Yep. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> Grabbing my nuts when I hit a branch. <laughs> <laughs> he does do that. He does. Ow! <laughs> no more little paplus. <laughs> <laughs> Did you watch uh, any of the completed shows or any of the other uh, Luke's film uh, Nelvana cartoons? Sure. I watched them all. Really enjoyed it. I watched the droids and watched uh, all of the Ewoks. Uh, what, uh, what did you think of the uh, the holiday special cartoon, which kind of kicked everything off? Oh, you know what? I don't remember that. I thought you were talking about the uh, Star Wars holiday special. There's a... Oh, my God. There's a cartoon uh, in the middle of it. Oh, by, my... By Nelvana. right. I forgot about that. Yeah, it's like I a, can't recall it. It's like a nine-minute short. It was... Lucas saw a cartoon movie called The Story of Christmas made by Nelvana or something, and he wanted them to make yes. this... Yeah, he wanted them to make this short for them, and that's sort of how Nelvana got the gig for the droids and ah. subsequent Ewoks. I, I can't I can't recall that. All I know is that um, why would Lucas want to take another swing at a Star Wars Christmas special after uh, that famous abomination, which you've seen, I'm sure. Mm. Yeah, we <laughs> we watched it for our first episode of this podcast and re- one, reviewed it. One where Chew, Chewie and his kids and Han and Han is in it and. Holy, holy of holies. What is for CBS? Yeah, perhaps one of the worst shows ever. And I, I don't know how Lucas would have approved that show. Guessing just uh, somebody backed up a, a truck filled with money. Uh, and he was just like, okay. Our, our going hypothesis was cocaine. <laughs> yeah, I, I have um, no knowledge of any kind of drug-filled rumors at the time. Anyway, so no, I, I do, yes, I, I recall the droid Christmas. I, I don't know if I was in that. I honestly can't remember. So that that's, okay. that's great that you watch those shows. Um, obviously, I'm a huge fan of those shows, and they're, they're stylistically very, very unique. Yeah, I, I think they're very good. I, 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 Nelvana did very, very good work. Now, I'm a huge animation fan. 
fan, so why wouldn't I have watched them? I mean, uh, I'm a giant animation fan, so that uh, it just seemed to be normal for me to look at them, not just walk away after I had done the work on them. Well, I mean, I've talked with p- other people who have done not cartoon work, but similar work and say that they've never seen a completed episode of their work. Um, hmm. So I just I thought it would be interesting to see because you're since you're a voice actor and the show isn't even animated yet when you're doing it. I don't I don't know how it would make sense to me. I would definitely be the type of person that would 100% watch it, um, but I can also see someone who just was too busy or just thought it was a paycheck, but it doesn't sound like well, that was you at all. No, not for me. No, no. I mean, and again, it depends on the quality of the work. I thought the stuff was uh, good. I thought, I think the Ewoks were, well, I don't know which one was better written. I can't remember at the time, but I mean, uh, I, again, it depends on how it all turns out. I mean, anybody working on the new reboot will probably not want to watch that shit ever well i can give you my opinion about which one was better written um, ah which one <laughs> so which which one did you like between the uh, uh the droids and ewoks well so I, I think ewoks was a better tv show because you had sort of a set piece of the village and you had a cast that was relatively yes. static mm-hmm. um and so you get to sh- watch these characters through 20-something episodes interact and change and grow when droids was very much more episodic, where things really didn't carry from episode to episode. And so you're constantly finding yourself in a brand new situation with new characters, and you still had C-3PO and R2 there, but there wasn't a whole lot of character growth. They were completely different shows, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's a good observation. The Ewoks was much more sitcom-y. You had yes. your same group of of characters that you wanted to see over and over again and um Oh, the lead character. What the hell was that Ewok name? Wicked. Yeah, it was great. I thought I mean, I don't know. <laughs> I I thought I thought he he did he had some really good adventures. Yeah, I think the 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 show sort of evolves down to being about Wicket and Nisha and yes. Latara and and like a very small group of young Ewoks. And I think that's yeah. that made sense also. It also makes more sense for their target audience that we're going to have a show about kids because you have a bunch of six, seven, eight-year-olds watching this cartoon. Let's put like an adolescent Ewok in there and have the show focus on him rather than have a show focus on a robot. Right. Um, which was also cool, but I can understand why Ewoks would be more quote-unquote successful. And was it? And was it a more successful cartoon? It I was mean, more I successful doubt- than droids for sure. Okay, okay. Okay. Um, from a, both ratings point of view and total number of episodes point of view. Yeah, thinking back on it, I you know droids bored me because I wasn't in it. <laughs> <laughs> That's fair. <laughs> I have to ask: Are you still um, doing any kind of comedy? Because you haven't missed a step at all. Um, well, that's that's very um, sweet of you. Uh, well, I, I run a web business, um, and it's interesting just being comical in um, in in the land of happy carrots. Uh, that that's a whole different gig. I, I feel quite empowered. Um, going out there and being silly when um, other people are just so involved in business that they don't seem to have the time to be silly. So um, I, it's, I think it's my superpower, um, giving uh, people the permission to be silly when otherwise they, they wouldn't. Um, so that's that's actually a fun part of what um, I'm doing and who I am. Uh, and that being said, I haven't I hadn't stopped pitching CBC and other venues up here, uh, different show ideas. I have some, I think, some very, very funny show ideas. I, uh, but they, they're very difficult to land. And uh, for those, for any of you out there who have had to or have had the uh, opportunity to pitch shows, there's just so many stages and so many stages where it can be uh, where the whole thing can fall apart because you can have the initial person who says yes and then then the the person the head of the network says yes or no and then you try to find the financing the financing can go you know can fall through and if it doesn't fall through you're ending up with people who you don't like who want their own opinions and then it's and then you deal with network executives who give you the stupidest notes you know in the world but you know after all that you can still have a success but on the other hand it's very very frustrating i've been through it i've been to los angeles i spent a lot of time there uh, you you really really have to have an iron stomach and so all i want to do is be creative i don't have to do the big stuff that's in my brain um, and YouTube, which I don't know whether you're familiar with the stuff I'm doing now, I, I, I'm, I've created a tech comedy channel on YouTube called Peter Paul Chatto. 
And every week I do two videos, short videos, and it satisfies my creative needs right now. Maybe later, once I sell my web business, I'll try to do something a little bit bigger. But uh, there's never been anything like YouTube before. And, and right now, I'm just having the time of my life because I can draw um, I can do comedy, I can write, uh, I could do 3D, uh, and I can do everything from my little Hackintosh here, uh, everything that I want, um, and edit the whole thing myself, and light it, and, and use every single skill that I've learned over the last 63 years. So, uh, uh, to me, I'm having the most fun right now running my business uh, and doing these uh, YouTube videos. So I, I don't feel a lack. What was the name of your YouTube channel? So we can make sure people know where to go. It's, it's called Peter Paul Chatto. Okay, we'll put a link to that in the show notes. Paul Chatto with Peter added to it. It's tough. Ah, see, you got the old Mac Classic. Uh... <laughs> well played. Nice. <laughs> so uh, I had sort of a strange question that was sort of a joke that Jamie and I kicked around, um, but we're we're running out of questions, so this might be even the last one. I was curious if you had ever given an interview about Ewoks before today. No. Excuse me, Miss Lavelle? I'd like to talk to you about Malibu Stacy. Do you have any idea how many kids have tried to track me down? Am I the first? Yes. Well, we're, I'm glad we could be your first. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, it was neat that you got hold of me on this. I thought, well, this is crazy, but cool at the same, same time. Minutiae is fun. I mean, actually in many, many ways that can be the most interesting, interesting thing is, is, uh, finding out those little nuggets of, of stuff that nobody's heard about. Now, hopefully your audience is interested in hearing just, um, you know, the, are you going to be interviewing droids, uh, voice actors also? I've reached out to almost everybody that I can get a hold of and I've only been able to get responses from two Ewoks actors counting you. There's going to be very few people like me that you're going to interview ever. I think that's true. <laughs> so, anyways, there there you go. Yes, I'm a, a fulfilled creative person. I've got two great kids, a wonderful wife, and um, I I can't uh, I can't complain. I really um, things are uh, are good. I can't remember what I made for the Ewoks though. They tend to be pretty cheap when it comes to hiring voice actors for animations because they buy you out and then that's it. You don't make any more money. Well, I think uh, that's most of our questions, right? There, there you go. Yeah. Do you have anything yeah. left? No, I don't. That, um, I'm pretty much, uh, I'm horrible at interviews. I, uh, I get nervous interviewing people for jobs that I'm trying to hire them for. So uh, I've got nothing. Well, Paul, I, I, I really want to thank you for spending this time with us. Um, you've, told, you've taught us a lot about this show. And obviously, we're the minutia guys that you're talking about. And I, I re can't really express to you how happy I am that when I sent you that tweet that you didn't just delete it <laughs> or ignore it. So thank um, you so much. I, you're, yes. you're, you're welcome. I, I don't know what else to, to, to say. I, I talk to people much lower down the food chain than you. So, uh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I, I even talked to that Nigerian guy that sent me the note about the extra money that I'm going to oh, get from him. The prince? The prince. He, he yeah, you know me. the prince too, huh? <laughs> oh, yes. Paul, I've got some oil money for you. <laughs> You're going to be rich beyond your wildest dream. <laughs> well, awesome. Yes, I love and I love doing voice. I mean, the voices are fun. I mean, it's it's great just doing all sorts of kind of accents and shit like that. One of the most interesting things I found is is um, I can't do it quite anymore, but just how the evolution of the accent that comes from uh, Boston and uh, Maine and everything, and as it as it goes down the, uh, the that eastern seaboard down to uh, North Carolina and then, and then down to Georgia as it gets you know heads through to Florida and then all the way down to Texas, we're down there. That talking like that, you can hear the 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 the, uh, the etymology of how that works. You know, it's just you're telling me. It's just neat that you go. Okay, so just slid down the accent, slides all the way down the eastern seaboard there, right there into Texas. <laughs> I have to ask, uh, since we have friends who live in Saskatoon, yes, do people in the 
eastern part of Canada make fun of uh, the western part of Canada where they are saying um, A every time. I didn't. I thought that was just a, a joke for uh, Bob and Doug McKenzie, but it's actually quite true. There's different pockets that say A all the time. That's actually an Ottawa Valley thing, eh? You know, eh? So we got all these things, eh? So uh, I'm going out to my house, eh? And, uh, and we're going to... Uh, Getting on the snowmobile, eh? And um, and uh, that's totally out uh, Ottawa Valley, eh? So that's uh, and then you, then there's kind of a West Coast, eh? Uh, not so. I guess there's kind of a farmer, eh? In the Saskatchewan, a lot of people make fun of Toronto. Uh, the Canadians uh, and the outer regions hates to hate Toronto. Uh, uh, no, you know what? There's, I, you know what? No, the Newfie jokes are kind of gone. I, I, I don't. No, no. There's not a lot of uh, making fun uh, of anybody. You know, uh, you know, Quebec. Uh, it's fun doing the Quebec kind of accent. That's that's pretty good, eh? Because uh, <laughs> you're in Montreal and uh, you're gonna have some poutine and uh, we're gonna score the goal and shoot the light. Uh, it's uh, a wonderful piece to. Uh, you know, to have a French accent, uh, it's not the same as the, you know, the Parisian French. It's a totally different uh, accent from the Parisian. So it's, um, it's it's a wide, wide range. Of course, in the United States, you got all sorts of accents. I'm yeah, not going to embarrass myself by trying it, so I'll leave it to the professionals. But oh, that's awesome. <laughs> so yeah, if there's if this gets me any voice work in in the United States, that's that's fine. I I love Mr. Trump. He's the greatest president ever. So if you're <laughs> just letting me across the border, you should know that that he is. He's great. He's he's the greatest president named Trump, that's for sure. There you go. Yes. Thank you very much, guys. It was a pleasure talking to you. Best of luck. And uh, yeah, and watch watch more of the Frantic shows. You'll see that all the computer programmed uh, video games that I did, I, pr I programmed those, all those little fake games. The, um, the mom's putting food on your plate game? Yes, 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 that's right. <laughs> that's right. Pew, pew. <laughs> uh, eat, eat. Um, I, I programmed that on Commodore 64. And um uh, uh, but uh, the one thing that you'll notice with the show, and I'm very proud of this, is that uh, you'll see or hear that it's a precursor to comic book and sci-fi humor way ahead of uh, The Big Bang Theory. I mean, that was the first show where we talked about computers, made fun of computers. There's that um, there's a song called uh, I Sell Computers, which is done in the style of um, uh, David Byrne. David oh, Byrne? oh, talking hits. Talking heads, yeah. So the uh, I sell computers. So that's the one takeaway that I would just like to leave with: that the Frantics was the first comedy group that tried to mine comic books, and because uh, that's what we were into. We were into computers and comic books and Macintoshes and programming and HyperCard and. Well, that's that's quite the accomplishment. I mean, if people people talk about what they know about, right? And correct. And that's that's your. That was your pop culture, right? Well, so. because we knew so little except that. Right. <laughs> uh, talk to you later, guys. Uh, we'll be in touch uh, when you get this thing done. And uh, thank you. white and soft for a man, but that's to be expected. You see, I sell computers. My mind retains information that 97.4% of all our customers will never understand. They don't sell computers. This brown suit I'm wearing is made from 100% nylon. Hard to believe. I sell computers. At parties, I give complete strangers advice on what kind of computers to buy. We talk way into the night. Did I tell you I know how to spell my name in binary code? It goes without saying. I sell computers. I made up a computer joke about sequential files. Listen, the second prompt is printer device number four. Instead of entering your printer device number, enter the device number of the unit to which you want to print your file. Here you name your sequential file with enter semicolon bracket drive number semicolon file name and bracket. My friends all laughed when they heard that one. They sell computers. I've never known a woman, but I've programmed one into my computer. I would imagine that a woman is something like this.